Greetings to each of you in the name of Jesus. It's a blessing to be together. It's good to see the, the youth here. I uh, want to wish you God's blessings. I had to think as Brother Nathan was sharing about the importance of starting early. Um, I've had some experience in the, the building world. And one of the first things that we would do as we were building a house, we would check diagonally across the corners to make sure that house is straight. And it, how foolish it would be to think, oh, the wind's blowing and it's muddy. We're getting mud all over tape. Let's just forget that. Look, let's go, go ahead and build and it'll come out. It'll be all right. Well, you know, if you don't have it straight and square in the beginning, you'll fight it all the way to the top of the roof. And, and it'll be a bad outcome. I couldn't help but think of that when Nathan was sharing about the importance of starting early. Okay, I'd like to give you opportunity. I know we have a pretty full evening. I thought about passing over the memory work, but maybe there's somebody that'd been upset with me if I didn't give them opportunity. So let's stand together and let's say our memory work together. And, and if you, somebody else wants to, we'll give you opportunity. Now the Lord is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Y'all are sounding good. You can sit down. Is there anybody that would be upset with me? Now's your chance. Go ahead, Lucas. Now the Lord is that Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Okay. Perfect. Very good. Thank you. Anybody else? Go ahead. Now the Lord is that Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image. Thank you. Very good. Anyone else? Okay, Beverly. The Lord is that spirit, and when the spirit of the Lord is there is liberty. But we all, with open face, beholding us in the glass, the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Very good. Very good. Anyone else? Y'all are doing very well. I think I've given opportunity sometimes at some other congregations, and I think uh, you have excelled. Thank you very much. Okay, this evening, uh, we do have something special for the youth. If there's, if there's um, anybody, any youth in the back, uh, the youth this evening are my honored guests. I'd like you to come forward if if you will. If there's anybody else that would like to come forward, I'd like to invite you forward. And if everybody's here, that's fine. I would say that I do have a, a tender spot in my heart for youth. Some people might say, well, the youth is the church of tomorrow. 
I disagree. I say the youth is the church of today. I'm assuming that there, there's youth here that's teaching Sunday school class, leading songs, helping in, in various ways in the congreg- congregational life, and it's already a blessing to you. So God bless you for that. This evening, uh, for the youth, I would like to, uh, to begin with somewhat of an object lesson. Um, I'll just come down. I need a few people to help me this evening. I need a, I'd like to have you, youth, to nominate someone that you think would be a good lady teller at the bank. So, is there any of you all, you, you girls, could you all nominate one of your peers that would be a really good bank teller? illustration this evening um, has to do with investing. And usually when we think of investing, we think of money, we think of, of you know saving money and that sort of thing. But I'd like if we could to make the parallel thinking about the principles of investing not only are material, but they are spiritual as well. check and see whether it's it's bona fide real money you you can do that if you want to but anyway uh, let's let's suppose that in 2023 uh, Lucas has been working at the bake shop and there's some times he's been moonlighting he's been mowing yards uh, for people in the community also every now and then he cuts cuts some wood on the side and he he's selling wood um, and he's going to be an investor, and I'm going to be one of the other investors. So at the end, we each, at the end of the year, we're planning to go down, uh, and already at January 1, 2024, we're going to go down to the First National Bank in South Boston, and we're going to make an investment. Now, in 2023, like I told you, he was doing, uh, Lucas was doing a lot of of different jobs and and he saved his money uh, 
he, he had fun. He, had, he went out for a pizza now and then with the youth or whatever. But anyway, he did save $10,000. Yeah, you can see this buck, bucket. Is that real money? Does that look like real money to you? Lucas has been hard at work. <laughs> okay, Lucas. Um, we're supposing now it is December 31, 2024. Would you take that over and invest your money with the bank teller? All right, I'd like to invest this. No. Now you go sit. You can go sit down, and he'll come in a little bit. So Lucas has invested uh, his money. Now, you know, 2023 was a tough year for me. I'd had a, a lot of things that come up, and and uh, had some unexpected uh, things that I had to buy. And, and you know what? There was a rifle that came up that, you know. There was a rifle I wanted to buy, and there was a Benelli shotgun that I, I really kind of would like to have. And, and Sally and I decided we wanted to take a trip or two to see, you know, some of our grandchildren. And, and there's some other things that came up, and really, there just was hardly any money at the end of the month. And uh, at the end of 2023, the beginning of 2024, I, I have a dollar. Uh, in this thimble. Here's a real dollar, and I want to make an investment too. <laughs> okay, so at the end of 2024, uh, Lucas, uh, I would like you to go and get your interest money. Now, we had a 5% interest on our, uh, on our investment, so $10,000 that Lucas has saved, can somebody tell me how much money he's going to get from the bank teller? You can go get your money. $500. Correct. Lucas, you worked hard. Good job. You can have a seat. At the end of 2024, I want to go get my return on the money. I invested a dollar, and I'd like to have my return too. Would you give me my money? <laughs> a nickel. <laughs> I don't know. I think she must like him more than she likes me. <laughs> she only gave me a nickel. I had a tough, some tough times last year, and she gave him $500, and she only gave me a nickel. You can keep your old nickel. <laughs> okay. I'd like to ask a question. Or somebody can tell me, what is the difference? Why is it that Phoebe, I remember your name, only gave me a nickel, and Phoebe gave him $500. What was the difference? What? The size of the investment. Exactly. Okay, y'all remember that. Thank you, Brother James. And let me ask you a question. Is there a connection between the amount of interest received at the end of the year because of the initial investment? 
Is there a connection between the investment and what we get at the end of the year? He invested $10,000. He got $500 in addition. I invested $1 and I got a nickel. Is there a connection between the initial investment and what we get in return? Now, file that in your head. We want to make a spiritual uh, connection here, a spiritual parallel. And so I'd like to ask you, youth, as we think about what we just heard and make the parallel, as a general rule, do you feel close to God or does God seem distant? You don't have to answer verbally, but think about it. And to you, you youth, if you could rate your current relationship with Jesus Christ on a scale of 1 to 10, what number would you choose? One would be very poor. A nine would be really good. Five would be mediocre. And a three would be poor at best. Once again, is there a connection between what we receive and the initial investment? And I realize that in your life and in mine, there are many responsibilities and many things that are clamoring for our attention making demands on our time. But at the end of 24, 2024 and beyond, what really is most important? Isn't the thing that is most important is your relationship with God? Our relationship with Jesus Christ and of being a blessing to others is directly connected to our initial investment. And I'm not trying to make you feel bad, but how much are you investing in your relationship with Jesus Christ? How much are you going to, did you in 2023, how much are you going to invest in your relationship with Jesus Christ? Jesus said in Matthew 6, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Seek ye first, that's the investment, and all these things shall be added unto you, that's the return. The Bible also says in James 4.8, draw nigh to God, and He will draw nigh to you. Once again, draw nigh to God is the initial investment, and He will draw nigh to you, that's the interest and the return. Jeremiah 29 verse 13 says, And ye shall seek me and find me when ye shall seek me for when you shall seek with me, for me with all your heart. And if you and I make seeking him a priority, not only we, but many others will, will be blessed. So I just like to encourage you. And it's a challenge for us as old people too. There's a lot of Thing, distractions that come our way and Satan wants us to be distracted there's a lot of demands a lot of different things happening but I'd just like to encourage you to make that initial investment in your relationship with Jesus Christ and you'll come out like brother Nathan was talking about you'll have a good track record and you'll have joy and praise at the end of life so may God bless you much Phoebe you did a good job
Lucas, you saved well. You're welcome to get back. And I'll try to do better. <laughs> May the song leader just lead us in a verse of song before we get into the message. Several years ago, Sally and I attended the graduation of a grandson, Darren Yoder, in Floyd County, Virginia. And the commencement address that evening was given by Dave Hurst. Anybody know him? A few of you probably. Dave Hurst. He was the father of one of the graduates, and I was so impressed with what he had to say that night. I called him up and I said, Dave, would you mind if I'd take some of your talk and uh, work it over for a Sunday morning message. And he graciously gave his consent and said, that's partially what I'd like to share with you, youth, this evening. I'd like to dedicate this sermon uh, to you all. Dave used the Old Testament character of Samson as a character study and how the choices that Samson made directly affected his future. And to you, dear youth, if you all forget everything I say, I want you to remember that the choices that you are making today are directional. They are leading you to your destination, so please choose carefully. The title, I will admit up front that the, this message may seem unconventional, but give me a chance at the end to turn it around, okay? The title of the message this evening is A Recipe for Disaster. I don't think Dave gave his talk um, a uh, title, but that's, that's what I thought would be a good title for this message. But he did state this at the very beginning. If you, youth, he said, if you graduates, and I'll say tonight, for you youth, if you want to live an unfulfilling life, this is how you do it. And then he went on to list six negative decisions that Samson made and how they were impulsive and selfish choices and how they affected him at the end of his life. So that's what we'd like to look at. However, I would invite you to Judges chapter 13. We want to consider what did Samson have going for him initially. Judges chapter 13 verses 1 to 5. And the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Philistines forty years. And there was a certain man of Zorah, 
of the family of the Danites, whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren, and bare not. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto the woman, and said unto her, Behold now, thou art barren, and bearest not, but thou shalt conceive, and bear a son. Now therefore beware, I pray thee, and drink not wine, nor strong drink, and eat not any unclean thing. For lo, thou shalt conceive, and bear a son, and no razor shall come on his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. Most of you know that the children of Israel were suffering under the hand of of the bondage of the Philistines for 40 years. But what did Samson have going for him? Number one, he had the miracle of the angel's announcement. Secondly, the miracle of his birth. Third, specific instructions in preparation for his birth. And fourthly, specific the specific purpose of his life. And remember that, that I told you earlier that your choices are directional. Your choices are leading you to your destination. Now most of you, I'm pretty sure, you youth are too young to remember Paul Harvey. Have you ever heard of the rest of the story? Well, we're not going to Paul Harvey, but we are going to the Word of God. We're going to consider the rest of the story now. <laughs> Judges chapter 16, verse 21. We're going to read the rest of the story. This is what happened at the end of Samson's life, and then we'll go back and I'll pick up some of the choices he made. What was, what was the end of his life? The choices that he made led him to verse 21. But the Philistines took him, they put out his eyes, they brought him down to Gaza, and they bound him with fetters of brass, and he did grind in the prison house. So what was it? The choices? Where did they lead him at the end of his life? Number one, he was bald. Number two, he was blind. Number three, he was bound. And number four, he was grinding at the prison. His life ended up aimlessly going in circles. Y'all don't want to end up that way. You don't want to end up bald, do you? I'm sure the girls don't. <laughs> I doubt the boys do either. And you don't want to be blind and you don't want to be bound. But that's what happened to Samson because he gave little thought to the choices that he was making. Because Samson gave little consideration to his choices, he was literally and figuratively bound by his own weakness. And to you, dear youth, I don't believe that's any one of you that want to end up where Samson did. You certainly wouldn't want to by choice, but you could by default. So choose wisely. Let's consider the birth of Samson before we get to his choices. The birth of Samson, Judges 13, 24. God's Word says this, And the woman bare a son, and called his name Samson, and the child grew, and the Lord blessed him. What about Samson? It was a miracle birth. Remember, his mother was barren. And here we have a birth. And God's blessing was on his life. His parents knew 
that his life had purpose and he was, his life was to be significant. And so they chose the name Samson. The name Samson means distinguished. And it is true that Samson, he had a great reputation. All of us know, and you've probably seen pictures in the picture books, story books of Samson, the big brawny fellow with the big muscles and pushing and knocking over the temple. And we know of his physical strength. But sadly, Samson also had a reputation for moral weakness. So by choice or by default, if you want to live a life that is unfulfilling, here is a recipe for disaster. Let's look at some of Samson's poor choices. Judges chapter 14, verse 1. And God's word says, And Samson went down to Timnath, and he saw a woman in Timnath of the daughters of the Philistines. So the first point, if you want to live an unfulfilling life, hate where God places you. Samson and his parents were living in a dark period in Israel's history. After the generation of Joshua, Israel descended into lawlessness, and God's law was ignored, and the Bible tells us that every man did what was right how? In his own eyes. Doesn't that sound like a recipe for disaster? You know, the, the scenario describes the society that we are living in today. It's no wonder when the, when the Bible was shoved aside. It's no wonder when prayer is banished. It's no wonder when the Ten Commandments are ridiculed. What do you expect? It's no wonder that this world is filled with chaos and disillusionment. Why is it? Do you, do you all realize how many suicides are committed uh, in the United States every day? It's my understanding that it's 132 people actually commit suicide in the United States every day. Do you realize that that adds up to 48,000 lives, souls, going into eternity in a year's time, costing the United States government $6.9 billion in a year? You know, why is it that people commit suicide? It's because they have no purpose in life. There's a lot of chaos, a lot of disillusionment, and they, have no, they feel like they have no purpose in life. What is the purpose in life? They have nothing to live for. No goal. And they, many people, 132, commit suicide every day. And you may say, well, Jay, that don't happen in the Mennonite church. It doesn't often, but it does. I have in my notes here, and I'm not going to tell you who they are, but I, I know of three men right now that I could name in the, in the Mennonite church that not in the not-so-recent past committed suicide. Two of them did, and there was a man in Pennsylvania who sought to take his life, and evidently the, the angle of the bullet, if it had been three-eighths-inch difference, he would have committed suicide, but God spared his life. But I'm just saying it can happen even in Mennonite circles. So youth, 
If you want to live an unfulfilling life, hate where God places you. Judges chapter 14, verse 1. It was sad, but what did Samson do? He ventured into enemy territory. Maybe Samson was bored. Maybe he was unsatisfied with life. And Samson followed the pattern of his contemporaries where every man did what was right in his own eyes. Samson's moral compass did not point due north or to godly values like it should have. It seems that he sought no further than his own selfish inclinations for direction in life, and that's dangerous. The Bible says, There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the ends thereof are... Correct. It's what seems right to a man, but the ends thereof are the ways of death. Dear youth, be aware of the enemy of your soul. Be aware of the danger of going into enemy territory and the world to find fulfillment in life. What the world has to offer is really only a smokescreen to obscure future bondage and heartache is only a vortex of sorrow. If you want to read about a vortex of sorrow, you go to Romans chapter 1. I think it's, well, it's a latter part of Romans chapter 1. It's a vortex that people can go into. It reminds me, a good many years ago, our oldest daughter, my wife and I'm not sure how many children, we went to a beach in North Carolina. And my daughter, how old was Cheryl at that point? Seven. Seven. We were on a plastic, what was that called? Raft. We were on a plastic raft. Uh, she didn't have on a life jacket, neither did I. We was on this plastic raft. And father and daughter was enjoying some time in, in the water. And we got out in, out in the, the water a ways, and we turned around and started heading towards shore. And all of a sudden, I recognized that we were going out to sea. And I was, I was scared. I was shook up as a father. I told Cheryl, I said, okay, let's, let's paddle. Kick your feet and paddle. Let's go this way. And we kept going the other way. Scared me to death. We were in a riptide. And I'll never, I'll never forget that. Um, we somehow got out of the riptide and we got into shore. But I'm talking about be careful of going into enemy territory. It may take you places you don't want to go. So, if you want to live an unfulfilled life, hate where God places you. Number two, be stubborn about what you want. Judges chapter 14, verse 2 says this, And he came up and told his father and mother, Samson said, I have seen a woman in Timnath of the daughters of the Philistines. Now, therefore, get her for me to wife. Samson didn't seek the counsel of his parents or others, but he just went to them and he demanded that they help him satisfy his selfish desires. 
Now, most of us know that in Jewish circles, parents were the ones that made the choice of a suitable spouse for their children, and they often made arrangements for the wedding. But Samson demanded a wife from a heathen and an enemy nation, although his demand was against Jewish law. Samson, in essence, well, I guess this way, thumbed his nose at God and the Old Testament law when he demanded, Get her for me, for she pleases me well. So to you youth, if you want to live an unfulfilled life, be stubborn and demanding about what you want out of life. Thirdly, don't listen to the counsel of your parents. Genesis, I'm sorry, Judges 14.3 Then his father and his mother said unto him, Is there never a woman among the daughters of thy brethren or among all my people that thou goest to take a wife of the uncircumcised Philistines? And Samson said unto his father, Get her from me, for she pleases me well. Samson's parents, he realized that his desire for a wife was not wrong. At one point, I desired a wife. I'm glad she's here tonight. That's not wrong, to desire a wife. However, to acquire a wife from the, an enemy nation would certainly have negative long-term effects on Samson and the succeeding generations. Samson's parents cautioned him against this reckless behavior. But Samson deliberately rejected the counsel of his parents and those who really had his best interests at heart. And to you, dear youth, one of the greatest characteristics you can have is to respect the authority figures that God has placed in your life. The sooner you learn that truth and apply that truth, the happier and more fulfilled you will be. But if it's your desire to live an unfulfilled life, don't listen to the counsel of your parents. Number four, hate the restrictions that are placed on you. Judges 13.5 For lo, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come on his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. God revealed his purpose for Samson's life through the message to the angel, or through the angel, and Samson was to be a Nazarite from birth. And a Nazarite was to be separated unto God to fulfill God's purpose for 30 or 60 or 90 days uh, for their life. But a Nazarite was not to do three things. Number one, he was not to drink strong drink. He was not to cut their hair. And they were not to touch a dead body. And Samson really had no choice that this vow was placed upon upon him. It was an arbitrary decision by God to fulfill his purpose. And by the choices that Samson made in life, it's evident that he hated the restrictions that were placed on him. And so I ask you, youth, do you value the restrictions that are placed on you by your parents? What about the standards of the church? What about the laws of the land? What about seatbelt laws? What about handheld devices 
Um, I guess if you have a Bluetooth, it's okay. But I see a lot of people in Harrisonburg area talking on their phones, holding their phones, talking to their phones. Uh, it's, it's really, we're not supposed to do that. And do these restrictions, do they, do they nothing but limit your personal freedom? Or do you embrace them for the spiritual protection they provide? And I would submit to you, youth, I really think we need to be careful because if we think, well, this, this law that my parents or someone else has placed on me, it's really not that important. I think I can, I can compromise a little bit and get by. It really doesn't matter. But I really think if we begin to go down that road and follow that mentality, we begin to go down a very slippery path. And if we compromise in one area, we're likely to compromise in many, many areas and we'll soon be down a slippery path that you don't want to go down. But if you want to live an unfulfilled life, hate the restrictions that are placed on you. Number five, sneak around and do the forbidden. Let's look at what Samson did in chapter 14, verse 1. And Samson went down to Timnath and saw a woman in Timnath of the daughters of the Philistine, woman number one. Chapter 16, verse 1, woman number two. Then went Samson to Gaza and saw there an harlot, and he went in unto her. Chapter 16, verse 4, woman number three. And it came to pass afterward that he loved a woman in the valley of Sork, whose name was Delilah. Samson didn't ask permission when he went down to Timnath to flirt with a strange woman. And number two, the second, <clears throat> the second one, he saw a harlot and went in a... <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> the second one, he saw a harlot and went in unto her. And then chapter 16, verse 4... He sought another heathen woman named Delilah. And you have heard that a chain is only as strong as its weakest link. And obviously for Samson, his weakest link in his chain was, in his chain was foreign women. And God knew the terrible influence of the heathen women on the children of Israel. And therefore God forbade intermarriage. And I sincerely believe that Samson's propensity to flirt with the forbidden affected him in many areas and he became a law unto himself. So to you youth, is it wise or is it okay, I'm, I'm directionally challenged right now to look, where's north? Which way's north? This way. Good. Is it okay or is it okay, yeah, to look north and south East? <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, you get the point. Is it okay on a, um, on a horizontal level to look north, east, south, and west and just make sure that there's no preachers, no parents, no teachers, no police, and if the coast is clear, it's okay to do what you want to do. Is that right? Not a trick question. But really, it should be more than a horizontal perspective. Joseph considered another direction. That was up. 
One Joseph, I could turn to this. I don't think I'm going to tonight for lack of time. But you know how Joseph was, uh, Potiphar's wife was after him day after day after day, come and lie with me. And, and he said, how can I do this great wickedness? And yeah, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? I think that is a beautiful, a beautiful characteristic of a youth or anyone. Let's have a godly perspective, and let's have, um, let's consider the vertical and our relationship with God. How can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Maybe it's a little bit like Nikki said. I was going to take him out. But then I remembered the Bible. (laughs) I hope when we're challenged to do something that we know is wrong, let's remember, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against my God? But if you want to live an unfulfilled life, sneak around and do the forbidden. Number six, associate with friends who serve other gods. It's obvious that Samson's close association with friends who served other gods was his downfall. Judges chapter 16, verses 23 and 24. Then the lords of the Philistines gathered them together for to offer a great sacrifice unto Dagon their god, and to rejoice for their, they said, Our god hath delivered Samson our enemy into our hand. And when the people saw him, they praised their God, for they said, Our God hath delivered him into our hands, our enemy, and the destroyer of our country, which slew many of us. Do you think that you can beat the system as it relates to wrong associates? and come out unscathed on the other end? You think you can do that? God's Word says, 1 Corinthians 15, 33, Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. And I've just laid out six points for you to follow if you want to live an unfulfilled life. Number one, hate where God places you. Be stubborn about what you want. Don't listen to the counsel of your parents. Hate the restrictions placed on you. Sneak around and do the forbidden and associate with friends from other gods. These six points are a recipe for disaster. Please give me a few minutes. We want to turn this thing around. Usually when I have a sermon, I usually have a a text right up front. Well, I didn't. We're going to our text now. Turn with me to Psalm 37 verse 4. Psalm 37, verse 4. A Psalm of David. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and He shall give thee the desires of thine heart. As I was studying for this sermon, going over it again today, time and again I kept seeing about the initial investment and the return. Once again in this verse, You see the initial investment, you see the return. Delight thyself in the Lord. That's your initial investment. And He shall give thee the desires of thine heart. That's the return. What a blessing. 
In this verse, I see four things. Number one, I see an undivided loyalty to our Creator. Secondly, I see a beautiful surrender, as David states it here. Number three, and this is important, I see a beautiful convergence of the wheels, a conformity to His will. And also I see, number four, I see blessings received from the Lord because our desires now match His desires for our life. Now, I've used an a object lesson also of something you probably wouldn't recognize. Now, most of you, when you take pictures, you can pull out your phone and take a picture, right? Well, at home, probably in the attic, we had an old SLR camera with a, it's an old clunker, great big thing with a split image. Y'all know what a split image? Probably you looking at me frowning, right? <laughs> this old camera, if you want to take a good picture, you, you could adjust the lens. You hold it up to your face and um, if, you, if somebody is standing beside something that's straight, well you have to adjust this to the image comes together. Um, I, it's tough for me to explain, but when things are way out of focus, the images are really fuzzy and they're far apart. But when you begin to turn, and you turn them to the images come together perfectly, and then you have a clear picture. And I like to consider, as we think about the third point, a beautiful convergence of the wheel when our wheel is being conformed to His. I'm talking about the split image and how if we allow God to help us to focus, the images come together. Maybe He has a different plan for you, uh, you youth, and what you expect in your life. But as you surrender and come to Him, there will be a beautiful convergence of the wheels and your will will conform to His. And then, oh yes, this is what God has for me and for my life. And it will be a blessing to you. And I thought, how beautiful that kind of goes right along with our, uh, our memory selection. How as we allow God to, as we surrender uh, to Him, that we can be changed into the same image. And that's what I believe God desires. Okay, real briefly, I'd like us to, re in the reverse order, flip the coin and think of six ways um, that we can honor God. Uh, and this will not be a recipe for disaster, but this will be a recipe for blessing. Number one, embrace and value your parents and your Christian heritage. I'm not going to spend long on it, but um, Psalm 16, verse 6 comes to mind. Now the lines have fallen unto me in pleasant places. Yea, I have a goodly heritage. When has been the last time that you have thanked the Lord for your Christian heritage? God has been so good, so gracious. We could have been born lots of different places, but God saw fit to place us into a Christian home in a Christian family with Christian values, pointing us to God and the church. What a blessing that is. Don't take that for granted. If you have an opportunity, thank your parents before they're going. My parents are going. I appreciate being born in a Christian home. Number two, make seeking God's will a priority. Matthew 6, 33, But seek ye first 
the kingdom of God, and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Once again, the initial investment, seek ye first, and all these things will be added unto you. That's, that's the return. 1 Timothy 6.6, 6, it speaks of, with godliness, I should turn to that. I can't give it to you verbatim. I probably should. First, First Timothy chapter six, verse six. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Number three, if you want to live a fulfilled life, realize the blessing of godly parents. Ephesians six, one to three. Ephesians 6, 1-3 Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandment with promise. Notice again, there's investment. Verse 3, the return, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. 3 John 4, the Bible says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children... Maybe sometimes you you use, you know, uh, Easter's coming up or Valentine's Day's coming up or mom and dad's birthday's coming. What in the world should I give them? Well, why don't you just save your money? Be obedient to them and love them. No, I'm not saying don't get your parents something. (laughs) Y'all run me out of here. (laughs) But your parents, if you love your parents and they're trying to teach you God's ways and you live a faithful life, that's beautiful. You can't do anything. You can't buy them a gift that's as good as, as that beautiful surrender and love to your parents. It's true of biological parents. It's true of spiritual fathers in a church. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Number four, appreciate and embrace God's purpose for your life. Let's look at Romans chapter 9, verses 20 and 21. Romans chapter 9. Verses 20 and 21. Nay, but, O man, who art thou that repliest against God? Shall a thing formed say to him that formed it, Why hast thou made me thus? Hath not the potter power over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel unto honor and another unto dishonor? God knows what he was doing when he created you. And I'm convinced that for each one of you youth, God has a specific plan for you. And He desires to show it to you as you seek Him, spend time with Him, seeking Him. He desires to to show you what He desires for your life. Number five, cultivate a healthy awareness of God. Once again, I was thinking of Genesis 39 where Joseph said, that how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Cultivate a healthy awareness of God. Number six, seek friends who sharpen godly character. I would ask you to turn 
the youth and the congregation to turn to Proverbs 27, verse 17. I'm going to read this, and you all see if I read it correctly. Proverbs, 17, Proverbs 27, verse 17. Iron sharpeneth titanium, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his subordinate. Did I read that right? Thank you. Y'all are paying attention. I thought you were. I read that wrong. But what does it say? It says, iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. I hope within the congregation, I hope here for the youth, and I hope within this congregation that we would allow another brother or sister to speak into our life if they suspect that there's something that's not running just quite right. I've had people needed to come and share with us uh, before. I remember some years ago, this is not my notes, it won't cost anything extra, but I remember some years ago, uh, Sally and I had offended another couple, and they needed to come and share with us. They asked permission to come and share with us what, what the concern was, and I was blessed. Before they shared what the concern was, they said, let's pray. And if you turn to, I think it's Matthew 18, verse 20, it talks there, I'm going to turn to that so I get it right. Matthew chapter 18, verse 20. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Often we think of that verse in corporate uh, getting together corporately, but it's my understanding that this verse really is in the context of conflict resolution. And so if, you, if you're at odds with another brother or someone and it needs to be addressed, it's important before you go to pray about your own heart. And maybe when you get there, when we had prayer before they shared what the concern was, and that was the proper thing. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst of them. So that really is in the context of conflict resolution. I hope that you youth are open to one of the girls coming to one of the girls or one of the brothers coming to another one and have a, an openness to share. And I hope I'm open. I don't care who we are. I don't care what our position is in life. I think we need to be open to the brotherhood. Uh, I'm not, I believe Brother Nathan would be open if one of you came to him. He's the bishop. Um, and I could go and talk about the difference of administration, the importance of administration. I'm not going to do that. But I believe Brother Nathan would be open if you felt you saw a need. Uh, There's some in some groups that wouldn't be open to that. And I think that's sad. Brother Nathan, I have confidence. That's why I wasn't afraid to say that. Um, I don't care who we are. Let's be open to the brotherhood. There's times that we need people to speak into our life. Um, in conclusion, 
God had a specific purpose for Samson's life. Although Samson made many foolish and selfish choices, his last choice in life was to seek God in prayer to fulfill God's purpose for his life, and he is listed in the Hebrews 11 as a hero of faith. And so to you, dear youth, I am convinced that God has a specific plan for your life, and may God richly bless you as you seek to fulfill God's purpose for your life for such a time as this. May God bless you, each one. Shall we? Um, maybe we could have a song uh, this evening. Um, I guess I will have an invitation this evening. I, I'm not trying to put any youth on, the, on a guilt trip, but if you feel like you have been pushing the envelope, and you, have, you don't really feel at peace, you hadn't felt at peace at home or in the church because of some of the choices that you made, and you would like to drive a stake tonight and say, I am all out for God. I want to follow His way completely. Uh, I'd like to give you that opportunity uh, if you would like to do that. And if, uh, so whatever your need is this evening, stand to your feet, raise your hand. I uh, would like to give you an opportunity to respond if God has been speaking to your heart. What shall we sing? 362, Heart and Mind, Possessions, Lord. 362. 362, Heart and Mind, Possessions. Okay. Heart and Mind, Possessions, Lord, I offer unto Thee. Thank you all for your attention once again. Let us stand for prayer.